morning. So deacons be aware of that. Psalm number 4. Psalm number 4. And uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. Psalm 4 and verse number 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. This is a psalm of one of David's psalms. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will I... How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing Selah? I don't know if you read the Psalms or not, but if you do read the Psalms, which I do highly recommend uh, reading the Psalms, some, some people read a proverb a day. That's a, um, that's a, that's a good practice to do. Um, I loved uh, what uh, Miss Pam uh, said uh, her and Brother Larry are doing in and uh, such a great idea, if you haven't done started already, you're a little late, but you can get caught up. Uh, in Luke, there are 24 chapters in Luke, and so if you begin in chapter 1 and read it all the way up till Christmas, uh, what a great practice. So there's different practices to do when it comes to the Word of God, but uh, the Psalms are just powerful. Now, as you read the Psalms and you look at the Psalms, you'll see that uh, some of them are psalms of war, and some of them are psalms of victory, and some of them are psalms of repentance, and you get all of these different, uh, if you will, emotions that we face in life. Uh, many of them are written by David and uh, as he talks, but you'll see if you read the psalms, you'll see this Hebrew transliterated word called selah, S-E-L-A-H. And sometimes, I don't know if you ever do this or not, but um, maybe with names or places or even maybe, maybe you run into an archaic word and you just kind of, well, I don't know what that is, and you kind of choop and skip by it. When I get to a, I, I love a, a, a Bible that has maps in it because I love when I'm reading the Bible and I come to a place, I want to know where that place is. I want to know where it is in relation to Jerusalem. I want to know where it is in relation to, you know, where Israel was at that time. And I, and I like to look at the maps and see. And, and so when you get to this word selah, it's an interesting word. And it's literally, the, this word selah literally means put the brakes on. Stop. Pause. Before you go any further, this is what God is saying when He says selah. Before you go any further, contemplate, think about, chew over what I've already said. So when he, when he gets to that, sometimes you'll see it at the end of a psalm. Sometimes you'll see it at the middle of a psalm. Not all the psalms have them. But it's God just saying, okay, here it is. Slow down a bit. Sometimes we're so fast. Sometimes we, we, we try to go, okay, we, we have a reading today. And in our reading, sometimes we'll follow a reading list. I don't know if you ever do that or not. So you can, there's, there's lists where you can read through the Bible in a year. There's lists where you can read the Bible in two years. There's, there's uh, devotionals where it'll give you a verse and then explain that verse. And, and sometimes, uh, uh, maybe, maybe, you're not, maybe you're too spiritual for this, but sometimes we get to the play where we go, okay, I've got this reading, and you read through it really quick, and all right, I did my duty today. 
Sometimes we miss it, don't we? Because we're so, we go so fast. What is God saying? God's saying, slow down. Amen. When it comes to his word. Amen. Now, a lot of things in life you want to get done and over with. Listen, I don't take, the, I don't take my time mowing the grass. Right? I want it over with as soon as possible, okay? I, there's some things that I don't take. I, I just want to get it done, right? You just want to get it done. And so, but the Word of God's not like that. The Word of God is a, a time that we pause, a time that we really carve out a piece of time where we're not distracted by the world, we're not distracted by what we're going to do next, we're not distracted by what we're going to do tomorrow, but we're concentrated on God's Word. Sometimes we get caught up like that in church, don't we? We get caught up sitting back there thinking to ourselves, okay, what's, what are we going to do for lunch today? What, what am I going to do after this? Okay, I've got, to, I've got to get this, 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 and this done. I didn't get this done on Friday and Saturday, so now I've got to get this done if I'm going to get it done before the next week. And, and we're... Sometimes we're distracted with not always bad things. Now, sometimes we're distracted by bad things. Don't misunderstand me. But sometimes we are distracted by not so bad things, by things that are part of life, by things that need to happen, by things that need to get done in our lives. And sometimes we have to on purpose just say, okay, listen, this is, this is the time I've carved out for my Bible reading. I'm, I'm going to read my Bible without distractions. Do you, know, do you know it's okay to turn your phone off for 30 minutes? I mean, it really is. Do you realize, I say this to young people all the time, do you realize once upon a time we didn't have cell phones? And the teenagers go, come on. Seriously? You ever seen a young person look at a TV, an old TV? What's all the stuff in the back? You know, you know, that's how they used to operate. They didn't always used to be flat, right? I mean, and we didn't always used to have cell phones. As a matter of fact, uh, I remember when I had to when I when I was in the military and I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk. We weren't married yet, and but we were we were talking. My wife and I were talking, and and we had to we had to pull into the pier, and we had to get in line at the payphone. They had them on the piers. Then they made a lot of money in them payphones. But there'd be people lined up waiting to get on the get off the phone. People are in line, you know, and you're on the and you're trying to be you're trying to be private on the phone and everybody's listening and watching and you didn't have a cell phone to walk around with. Somebody said the other day, I was talking to somebody the other day about about a, a, a phone and, and today a phone's not just a phone. It's a phone, it's a computer, it's an iPad. I mean it I mean, it's, 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 it's everything. It's GPS. I mean, you, you name it, it, it's everything. You know, you carry around with it. But I can tell you something. You can turn it off every once in a while. And you can say, you know what? I'm not going to be distracted. When I'm in a meeting or when I'm talking with somebody, do you know, do you know unless, you're with a, unless, you, unless you're with a friend, that's different. Okay, I get it. It's different when you're with a friend. But if you're in a meeting and you're doing a counseling meeting, you don't take phone calls. You put the phone to the side. You turn the phone off. Listen, if somebody calls me during the hours of preaching, they leave a message. I don't carry my phone into the pulpit. I mean, I don't, oh, pause. Hold on. I got I to take this call for just a second. Now, we, we think, 
That would be ridiculous if the preacher did that, right? But we do it all the time, don't we? Sometimes we need to just carve ourselves some time. Carve yourself some time to read God's Word. Carve yourself some time to go to church. You know, you carve yourselves time for things that are important to you. If it's important to you, you're going you're gonna to carve some time out for it. You're going to say, hey, listen, this is important to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set all these other things to the side. Could you do, be doing other things? Of course you could. Right now, at church, is there other things that you could be doing? Of course there are. We probably all have lists of things that need to get done. You, you drive on Sunday. Do you see it? I see it all the time. People cutting their lawn. Uh, people, you know, pressure washing their house. People doing different things uh, on Sunday uh, uh, because, you know, they had to work all week. And this, that's the only day that they had. I'm not giving people an excuse for not being at church. I'm just saying we could choose to be somewhere else, but we choose to be here. Now, let me tell you something. When you choose to read the Word of God, choose to be there and not somewhere else. And I promise you, if you'll do that... And the, and the whole purpose of the word Selah, the whole purpose of this pause is for you to get what God wants you to get. Amen. That's an important aspect of, of the word of God. Okay, that's just all free. That's Selah. Okay, verse number three. It's nothing to do with the message. But now, or, but know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Watch verse number four. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Hold on. Selah. That's twice in Psalm 4. Now he said, pause and think about what I just got done saying to you. Offer the sacrifices, verse 5, of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say who will show us any good. Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Wow. Psalm 4, just eight simple verses, but packed with truth. And let me tell you that the, the entire focus of Psalm number 4, you ready? Here it is, verse number 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Put your trust in the Lord. You see, our problem is, we're putting our trust in everything else but the Lord. Our problem is our focus and our priorities are in every other area except for the Lord. The Bible says, and God says here in Psalm 4, and David wanted to emphasize the fact that we must put our trust in the Lord. We can't put our trust, listen, we can't put our trust in man. We can't put our trust in man. That's not where our trust belongs. 152 times. Think about that for a second. 152 times, just in the Old Testament, the Bible says that we need to trust. 
152 times. The New Testament equivalent is to uh, believe or to have faith. Trust in the Lord. Believe in the Lord. You know, we need to to be saved, right? But it goes past being saved. It goes to our everyday walk. It goes to our everyday living. That we need to trust the Lord. We need to believe the Lord. We need to have faith in the Lord. Without faith, Hebrew says, it is impossible to please Him. So you can't even please God if you don't have faith. So if you're lacking faith, you need to ask God to strengthen your faith. How do you strengthen your faith? Faith cometh by hearing, Romans says, and hearing by the Word of God. You see, that's why God says pause. That was, that's why God says stop. Why? Because as you read God's Word, as you contemplate God's Word, as you study God's Word, guess what you begin to do? You begin to grow in your faith. And as you begin to grow in your faith, guess what happens? We begin to please God. You see how that's connected? How important that is in our everyday walk and in our everyday life? Look with me over in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah tells us that we should not put our faith in sinners. Do not put your faith in man. Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse number 5, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. What are you doing putting your trust in man? Let me tell you what man will do. Time and time and time again. Let me tell you what man will do. He'll fail you. Now I'm not saying every single circumstance and every single man will fail, but I am telling you that we are all capable of failing. Because we're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not even one. None of us. Every one of us have missed a mark. None of us can match up when it comes to God. And so we do lack, we do lack in our lives. And, and so, therefore, we shouldn't be putting our trust in man. We should be putting our trust in God. Don't put your trust in sinners. Number two, don't put your trust in, in, in uh, self. Let me tell you something. You'll fail yourself. Sometimes we have the best of intentions, don't we? I mean, sometimes we, uh, I'm going to do fill in the blank. I am going to get this done. And then something comes up, right? Or we get sidetracked or, uh, uh, you know, uh, something, something uh, more important comes up or, or we forget or we procrastinate or, 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 or. So many excuses. Listen, when there's something that we don't want to do, we don't have any problem finding an excuse, Right? If there's something that we don't want to do, somewhere along the line, I mean, we'll pull out of the back of our, the recesses of our mind just to find an excuse to not do that which we don't want to do. Some people think that all preachers like confrontation. And it's not true. This preacher hates confrontation. I can't stand it. I wish I could just say okay to everything. I wish I could just say okay for... Now, some people that have counseled with me or some people that would talk to me would say, oh, pff, you, you lying, you like confrontation. Because I am pretty straightforward. I mean, that's the best way to be, I think. But I'll tell you something, I don't, I don't 
I don't thrive on that. I don't thrive on that confrontation. So if I can avoid it, I will. I'll do it. But I know, right? Isn't there some things that we know have to be confronted? Some things we know have to be taken care of. And so what do we do? We just do it. We don't. And we do it according to God's word. And we do it according to God's way, not our own way, because we will fail ourselves. Look over in the New Testament, over to the book of 2 Corinthians. Listen to what Paul said when it comes to uh, not trusting in yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 9. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. Don't Don't trust in yourself. Because you will fail, you'll end up failing yourself. We don't trust in sinners, we don't trust in self, we trust in the Savior. Uh, we, you, you know the verse, many of you have memorized the verses, and some of you, it is your life verse, and it's, it's and found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 5, trust in the Lord. With all thine heart. And lean not into thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path. So, we don't trust in ourselves, we trust in God, right? And so, we need to, we need to be, uh, men and women of faith. We need to be men and women of trust. We need to be men and women that, uh, that believe. And if we're going to trust, let me tell you something about trust. Trust will lead you in the right direction if you're trusting in the right thing. If you're trusting in the wrong thing, it will bring you in the wrong direction. So many times we wonder to ourselves, how in the world did we get to where we are? Personally, in our own life, right? You ever think about that with our country? You ever think to yourself, how in the world, I'm telling you, if they could roll over in their graves, our forefathers would be like, they would have rolled 150 miles already. About where our country has gotten to. Where our country, and, and, we, and we sit here and I hear some people and I think, I think to myself, these, these people are thinking, how in the world did we get to the point where we're at? Just look that way. Just look at decisions that have been made. Just look at a church that has been silent. Just look at Christians who have just stuck their head in the ground. Just look at the, 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 the foolish decisions that we've made, and not once and not twice, but over and over and over again. Let me tell you something, church. At some point, at some point, we have got to... Wake up and realize we're trusting in the wrong things. You put your trust in the wrong things, they're going to take you to the wrong place. You put your trust in the right things, and they'll take you to the right place, spiritually, in your life. Now, I know we can say this, right? Well, you understand, preacher. I've, I've, I've put my trust in the Lord, and I'm, and I'm, I'm here in this world. I'm still here amongst just all the wrong. I'm still here amongst all the... Yeah, but listen to me. Isn't there a difference? Isn't there a difference in living in this world with your trust in God and living in this world with your trust in this world? If you don't see there's a difference between that, then you're off spiritually. 
something wrong uh, heart-wise. Because I can tell you, living in this world is rough enough. I can't imagine living in this world without God. I can't imagine living in this world without trusting and without having faith in, in, in God and His, uh, His things. And as I think about this trust, and as I think about trusting in God, I think about what, what David said in the, in, in, the, in the fourth verse of Psalm 4. The very first three words, look what he says. Stand in awe. Stand in awe. Now, awe is not one of those words that we use a lot, but it's a word that we understand. To stand in awe. Have you ever been in front of a painting that a master painter has has painted, and you stand and you think to yourself, wow. You stand in awe. I think about... I think about the disciples as they got in the boat and they went out to sea and the storm came. You remember the story? Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat at perfect peace because He was and is the Prince of Peace. And so He was at perfect peace and He was sleeping at the back of the boat and they were in turmoil. They were afraid, they were worried, they didn't know what they were going to do. I mean, they just are like us sometimes, right? And we just get all mixed up. We just get all afraid. We just get our hands start start ringing. We start getting worried. That's where they were. And they go to the back of the boat and and they shake Jesus and, and Jesus opens His eyes and they say to Him, Don't you even care that we're about to perish? I I, I just imagine the the man side of God when he goes, I don't know that he did that. I'm just thinking to myself, how many times do I have to show you? This is is my flesh thinking. How many times do I have to tell you? How many... How many circumstances, how many miracles, how many blind eyes that can see, how many dead people that can walk, how many times? Jesus doesn't say any of those things. He gets up. He walks to the front of the boat. He gets to the bow of the boat. He says three words. Isn't that neat? Stand in awe. Three words. Three words. Peace be still. Let Let me tell you what happened to the disciples. Jaw drop. The wind ceases, the rain stops, the sea is like glass, and where once they were worried, and once they were afraid, and once they didn't know what's going to happen, and once they don't know what's going what's to, what, what, what to what to do, now all of a sudden, glass. And the Bible says, and I like this, in the King James it says, they were astonied. They were shocked to being speechless. Speechless. I like it when people that talk all the time, something happens that they're speechless. They always have something to say. But then, when they're so awed, when they're so enamored, they have nothing to say. Peter always had something to say. He was the first one to have something to say. 
A lot of times, open mouth, insert foot was Peter, right? A lot of times he got it right. Praise the Lord. And before you give Peter a hard time, have, when's the last time you walked on water, right? I mean, when's the last time you preached and thousands were saved? I'm not giving Peter a hard time. I'm just telling you, he was ready to speak. And they were all speechless. You know why they were speechless? Because they were in awe. They were in awe of the work of God. They were in the awe of the work of Jesus. You know what our problem is? Sometimes we're in awe, but we have a short, extension, a short attention span. We remember that God did this miraculous thing, but then we kind of get away from that a little bit and we forget how miraculous God really is. I mean, we remember, and, and, and God did this, and we look at His Word, and God, you know, the disciples were just like that. You know why the disciples are a lot like us? Because they were human beings. They were human beings. Do you realize today, I don't know if you realize this or not, but you should, that we're more responsible than the disciples were? Do you know why we are? Because we have the completed revelation of God. They didn't have the completed revelation of God. They had Jesus Christ, yes, and, and we say to ourselves, well if, well, if we had Jesus, you do have Jesus. Yeah, but you don't understand if He was in my boat. He is in your boat. He goes with you everywhere you go. Everywhere your feet trod, Jesus is with you as He lives inside of you. You see the difference? We are more responsible than them, but we act just like them. God does this miraculous thing and, and they're in awe and then later down the road they just kind of forget. They kind of forget what God has done. They kind of forget what God can do. Why would we worry? You ever thought about that? Why would we worry when we have a God that can? Why would we worry when we have a God that can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think? Why do we worry when we know that God can perform miracles? Why do we worry when we know that God can do far more and far better than we can ever think? And yet, we worry still. And we worry about our health, and we worry about the world, and we worry about our children, and we worry, and we worry, worry, worry. Well, I don't ever worry, preacher. Well, I'd like to sit down and have a discussion with you. I'd like to know your secret. Because I'm here to tell you, we may not admit it, but we all worry. We don't like to admit it, but we all get afraid sometimes. Here's the thing that we've got to be careful with. That we don't live there. Because if you live in worry, if you live in fear, if you live in discouragement, it's going to take you out. You're going to lack in your faith and trust and belief. You're going to lack in your spiritual life. You're going to lack in godly things. Because when we worry, we're not thinking about God. When we worry, we're thinking about the thing that we're worried about. And it often consumes us. Anybody in here ever worried about their children? Okay, if you haven't, you're a bad parent. 
You're welcome. I said that out loud. I'm, I'm talking about when they're little and it doesn't stop when they're grown. I think, it, I think it grows more when they're grown. You know why you worry? Because you're a loving parent. Do you know why you worry? Because you want, your, you want the best for your children. You want your children to, to turn out. You want your children to, to have the best. You want your children to... You know what's a, one of the hardest things to do? Let me tell you what one of the hardest things to do is. Is to take your children, or whatever your worry is, and take it... You're going to be God. And hand it to God. Right? This is what we like to do. No, you're not done. We like to say, okay, God, the worry is yours. Here you go. And we let God touch it. Right? We let God, you know, know about it. And we prayed about it, but we don't release it. And that's what Peter's talking about when he said casting. And I won't. I won't cast it because I fear I'd hit somebody. But casting all your care upon Him. You know what that casting is? It's releasing that worry. It's releasing that trouble. To to worry about it no more. What in the world? Listen to me. Think about this. What in the world is the point in praying about something and worrying about it? You know what praying about it is? Praying about it is getting God involved. And so you know what you know what we're praying. You know why you know why I don't pray to you, because you're not God. You know why I don't pray to you and you don't pray to me, because listen, we can't solve the problems God can solve. We can't do the things that God can do. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God, He is all powerful. He's everywhere. He's all knowing. God is all those things, and we are not. So when we pray, we get God involved in the situation. And you know what we're saying? We're saying, "Here, God, you can do far better job than I can." Now, how silly is it to say, "Okay, God, we know you could do a better job, but I'm still going to worry about it." Do you know what it is when we pray? And still worry? It's a lack of faith. I mean, let's, let's, let's just tell the truth. Let's just put where the, you know, where the rubber meets the road. When you pray, the purpose of our prayer is to release it to God, give it to God, and not worry about it anymore. When we release it to God, this is what we're saying. Release it to God, and I'm still worried. I'm still discouraged. I'm still depressed. I'm still all these things. We're saying, God, you can't do this. I'm just going through the motions. That's what we're saying. You know, sometimes we've got to pray, and then we've got to pray again. And then we've got to pray again. And then we've got to pray again. And we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray until it is released, until that burden is no longer a burden. Stop letting it weigh you down. Stop allowing it to discourage you. Stand back. Stand in awe of what God can do. Look throughout the Word of God. I didn't... didn't, this is all my introduction. I didn't even get to my point this morning, um, which I won't. But you know, stand in all of His work at what God can do. Listen, 
When we stand in awe, we need to stand in awe of, of, of God in totality. What do I mean by that? We look back and we look at history and we look what God has done. We look what God has done for His people. We look what God has done for His church. We look what God has done for our families. We look back and we look what God has done. We look at the present. When's the last time that you prayed and didn't ask for a single thing? Think about that. When was the last time you prayed and just talked about how awesome God is? I mean, and, and, and spent some quality time thanking Him. Well, I don't know what to thank Him for. Well, let me tell you something. Why don't you start by thanking Him for the breath that you get every day? That's a good, that's a good place to start, isn't it? How about for the food that you put in your stomach? Wow. I don't know what you're talking about, preacher. I worked for that. For, I worked for that food. God gave you the strength to work. Amen. Are you kidding me? Amen. And by the way, don't get too arrogant. He could take it all away just like that. Just like that. And so thank Him for what He's doing now in, in our present. And then just look in the Bible. Look at prophecy. Look at the future. Look at the book of Revelation. And look at what God's going to do for us in the future. And as we look at those things, you know what we have to do? We have to take a couple steps back and just stand in awe of who God is. Stand in awe of what God has done. Stand in awe of what God has accomplished. You know, we, we see the work of His regeneration, right? God has saved us. Is that a good thing to be thankful for? Wow. If you can't be thankful for nothing else, start right there. Be thankful for God saving your soul. Because if God doesn't do it, you're not getting saved. Do you hear me? You can't do it yourself. The church can't do it. Another person can't do it. If God doesn't do it, nobody's doing it. So praise God, if you're going to heaven one day, it's because Jesus Christ came into your heart and your life for the forgiveness of your sins because He died upon the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. That's the only reason we have life. Think about these things. Think, think about these verses, and I'll be done this morning. When it comes to this idea of eternal life that God has given us. What a blessing as we stand in awe. And as we think about what God has done, what God has accomplished, and how God has saved us, we think about the fact that He has given us Romans 6.23, eternal life. John 6 and verse 47 calls it everlasting life. John 17 and verse 3 calls it life eternal. 1 Peter 5 and 10 calls it eternal glory. Hebrews 9 and 15 calls it eternal, eternal inheritance. And Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 calls it eternal redemption. Let me tell you what it is to find. Here it is. You ready? It's life forever. God gives us eternal life. I stand back. Listen to me. I stand back in awe that God even knows who I am. That, 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 that God would even... Listen, my mom forgets my name sometimes. I am... 
absolutely amazed. You do too. If you have multiple kids, you've called your kids other kids' names. By the time I get to Emma, I've already gone through Kyle and Anna. You ever do that? Let me tell you something. God knows your name. He knows you personally. Matter of fact, the Bible says that He knows the number of hairs that are upon your head. I think about this. Every morning the angels have to do a recount. Can you brush your hair? Now for some of you, you don't have to count very high. Dr. Shoemaker used to say, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll have hair. But understand, that's how personally, is that an amazing thing? That's how personally God knows who you are. Everybody else may not know you. Remember when David looked to his right hand and no man cared for his soul? What did he do? He encouraged himself. And the one that always knows his name, he encouraged himself. In the Lord is God. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed this morning. Our eyes are closed. I don't know what you're going through, what you're facing. I know there are so many people going through difficult times right now. Because life can be difficult. Burdens can be very heavy. Worry is a very real thing. Discouragement, depression. Very real things. And you're not Superman, you're not Superwoman, we're all susceptible to it. What do we need to do? We need to stand in awe of who God is and pray. We need to stand in awe of who God is and release all those things to God who can do far better than we can. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not saved. You've never placed your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I'm here, I'm up here with confidence this morning to tell you that God loves you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And if you'll call upon His name, there are a whole bunch of things that I can guarantee you, but when it comes to the Word of God, I can guarantee them to you every single time. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then trust Him, believe Him, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now, I'd go to heaven to be with God. I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? Just slip your hand up this morning right back now, and I pray for you. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers as there one. Isn't it glorious? Isn't it a wonderful thing to be saved? Let me tell you something. We need to read that word more often, Selah. Pause. Stand in awe of who God is, of what God can do, of what God can accomplish, of what God has already done and accomplished in our lives. He is great and greatly to be praised. Let's stand together. Head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, hymn invitation. Maybe you need to come and there's some things that you've been dealing with, some things that you've been wrestling with. Can I tell you, release them to God today? Maybe you don't want to come down to an altar, but I, can, I encourage you this morning to do it right there, right there in your seats. There's no reason for you to be carrying these burdens around. There's no reason to be weighted down by these heavy burdens in your life. Release them to God and let God do exceeding abundantly above that, all that you could ever dream of. 
that you could ever think of. Well, I don't, I don't know that God can do this. And then God does it. Man, what happens? Our faith is strengthened. And we trust Him more. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the instruments play this morning, you come. Thank you for it.